UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. In episode one of the UMGoBlue.com Michigan Football Spectacular, we learned how the disappointing 2020 season, which resulted in a 2-4 and four record for the Wolverines, resulted in a off-season of coaching changes. And from Aiden Hutchinson on how the team was responding. In practice, I've seen some energy, some things I've never seen these past three years being on this team. Just, just those little things that you can tell that guys just want to play ball. Guys are just fired up, whether that be the new coaches, whether that, that be they just love football. But you can, you can tell in practice that, that there's a different type of energy around Shen Beckler. Josh Gaddis set out a new vision for the Michigan offense. We've got really good running backs. Hassan Haskins, uh, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, those guys need the ball. And so uh, we've got to make a firm commitment to run the ball more. And new defensive coordinator Mike McDonald challenged his squad to answer the critics. Yeah, I like being the underdog, you know. We've got a lot of work to do, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise out there. And this is the time in training camp where, like, okay, hey, you don't like what they're saying? Like, this is the time to see how good we can get. And answer their critics, the Wolverines did. Roaring out of the gate, defeating Western Michigan by a score of 47-14. to But the victory did not come without a price. As the Wolverines lost their captain and starting wide receiver Ronnie Bell to injury. Now... The UMGoBlue.com Michigan Football Season Spectacular continues. Episode 2, Underdogs. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, talking to Ronnie, um, you know, he's, uh, he's going to continue to lead from the sideline and, and uh, be a big part of our, our team. It'll be, uh, fortunately, everything's surgically repairable. And uh, so, but he, Ronnie really appreciates everybody's thoughts and prayers and uh as do we. Ronnie's drive is so high uh, that you know it'd be it'd be a tough, grueling rehab, uh, as all all injuries are. Um, but uh, if anybody can do it, Ronnie will. And uh, from my own personal experience, having a season-ending injury, um, the best way to not to be left out is to help out and uh, you know, be being. Uh, leading from the sideline, uh, being a captain, also uh, uh, what he can contribute. Uh, last week, he's a smart guy. And, uh, uh, I remember Lloyd Carr calling me into his office and asking me to check secondary coverages for the defense and, and, and learn coverages and, and watch tape. And uh, it was one of the best things that uh, ever happened in my career. Definitely is, uh, as I said, driven, cares about the team, and he'll continue to, to be a big part of it, I'm sure. Uh, equating those or conflating those in terms of Ronnie's. Ronnie's, uh, I mean, you've got great players that return points, um, and Ronnie's a great player, um, much like you know, guys we've had in the past, you know. Uh, Real Peppers, Giles, um, go back to Steve Breston, to Desmond Howard, to Charles Woodson. I mean, those are uh, you know, those great players are are uh, you know, 
impact the game from that position. Here you have a preseason of drama, and Michigan comes out of the gate, beats Western, but you do have the injury to Ronnie Bell. And one of the things that Coach Harbaugh addressed was the criticism of that really came from the media and even from some people in the fan base about why was Ronnie Bell out there at that point in the game. And, you know, I, I think the thing that's interesting to me is because of a lot of the off-season drama, there was a undercurrent of criticism uh, in the media, kind of waiting, almost anticipating any kind of failure from Michigan. And, you know, the injury of Ronnie Bell kind of brought the dogs out. Yeah, I agree with that. There, there was, uh, there was, they're waiting for the what's going to be the thing that they can take their preconceived notions and, and pile it onto that thing. And, and Ronnie Bell having a great start and then being um, sidelined seemed like it could be that. But uh, I thought uh, Harbaugh addressed it pretty pretty well, especially tying back to the great players of the past that have also played special teams and. It makes logical sense that you want your most impactful players to touch the ball as much as possible. Some of the most iconic moments in, in the program's history are special teams plays from the best players on the team. So it uh, doesn't hold up to the, to the logic test. You know, it's just uh, kind of a negative narrative that, that people wanted to make happen that didn't stick. I also thought it was interesting that he tied back to his experience as a player, right, to when he was mm-hmm. injured and – you know, how, you know, his experience with Lloyd Carr um, really helped him not only as a player, but also helped him as a coach later. So that was a nice tie back. It's it's one of the things that I think Harbaugh brings as a former player and a former star at the University of Michigan is, you know, he's reluctant to look back sometimes, right? Like he's always, I want to look forward, but there are things in his past and his experience that he can that he can bring out. So that's kind of a, a, a interesting call to the past. Yeah. I think also it fits in with the personality of this team that at that moment that everybody still wanted to contribute and the leaders were still going to be in there trying to trying to be a positive force for the team, even Ronnie Bell um, not being able to play that, he, he had the right mentality. He wasn't going to sulk on the side or just focus on his own rehab. But in addition, he, he was confident that he would stay uh, engaged. And uh, the, the best way not to be left out is to help out uh, what was a quip that I, I really liked. And uh, I'm sure I'll keep that for myself in the future. But, um, you know, that's that fits exactly with, with the type of – kids and the type of players that, that they were talking about in the offseason and, and the right mentality. And, and Ronnie Bell, of course, embodies that uh, many times over. We've seen that he's got, you know, really mentally tough and, and bounces back from a challenge. Michigan beats Western Michigan 47 to 14. Michigan enters the season unranked, which was, you know, a bitter pill for many, but not surprising considering what had happened in the previous season. They're heading into a huge night game at Michigan Stadium versus Washington. And I know a lot of people, including me, thought that they would struggle with this game, right? Thought that they would they would have some trouble. And Michigan comes out and on a national television audience in front of a rocking Michigan Stadium crowd that 
you know, you could tell was was just seething to get back into the big house after the previous season of not being able to be there. Um, came out and won 31 to 10. It really showed Michigan's new emphasis on the running game. I mean, they ran for 352 yards on the ground. Blake Corum ran for 172, and um, Hassan Haskins ran for 155. I mean, that is definitely a huge difference from last year. How can you continue to produce on the ground knowing that teams might try and stack the box or, or do anything they can to stop you guys after the type of games you've had the last two weeks? Uh, I mean, I, I believe they started to stack the box tonight. Um, <laughs> And we, we we kept running it. It's a mindset thing, you know. We gonna we gonna do our jobs, sure. No matter what happens, uh, we gonna make something happen. So I mean, it's it's not a matter if they stack the box or not. It's if you can stop it, you know. What I mean, I, I have I have faith in my offensive line that they're gonna fire up the ball and do their job. So if you can't stop our offensive line, then stacking the box wouldn't really matter. Yeah, going into the going into the game, it was uh, we're not gonna be win, we're not gonna win by. By throwing the ball outside of the numbers, and you know, um, you know, those those corners are are really good. So I mean, we're we're going to fare a lot better, you know, throwing running the ball 52 times than we would have uh, thrown it 52 times. Told you we're going to lean on Hassan and, and Blake. I mean, they're they're just they're that good too, you know. So um, and we got good we got good players uh, in the passing game. We know our guys can can uh, can. Catch the ball, run routes. We can throw it, uh, but yeah, it was just it was just so good in the running game that I felt like it felt good to yeah. to take it away. Uh, we knew coming into this game that we wanted to run the ball and wanted to run it down their throat. You know, with backs like we got, it makes it pretty easy for the O line. So we knew going into this game we we're going to run the ball as much as we could because we knew they couldn't really stop it. I mean, this is what we. Yeah, this is what we envisioned happening, obviously. We didn't play perfect tonight by any means, but the, with the backs we have, you know, we can make mistakes and it gets covered up by them. They can make mistakes and gets covered up by us. So it's just we're working well together right now, but we get, still got a long ways to go until. Uh, Ryan, when, when you guys are in the huddle and the calls keep coming in from Coach Gaddis and it's just run, 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 do you and the offensive linemen look around at each other and just, and just smile? Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we got really excited today because – we knew they were getting defeated towards the end of the game, and we just kept hitting them and hitting them and hitting them. And coach, it was really nice to get those play calls keep going. We didn't go away from it like we might have in the past. We just kept going at them, and it worked. So the way they did today, I mean, as a defense, you can speak to that perspective of what it's like when, when the offense is running the ball that way. We love it. We love it. Like we love when we see the offense coming off the ball. See Ace two trucking people. See Blake trucking people. Make you know making moves. See the old line. See Ryan up there in the trenches grinding because like the game is starting one in the trenches and we all know that. So like it's really really good to see that. Yeah, and I think this is the game where you and I decided that we were we're going to give them the nickname Boom and Zoom, right? That Haskins, his power style of running and Corum's uh, speed around the edge, kind of created a, a little bit of a difficulty for defenses to, uh, you know, they had to make sure that they knew which back was in the backfield and how they were going to try to contain him. Because if you were if you were trying to stay light on your feet and, and, and agile uh, as a safety or a linebacker um, and it was Haskins that was back there, you were going to get run over. 
right? And if you were really uh, coming downhill <clears throat> like a like a, a loaded truck um, to try to make sure that you didn't get run over by Haskins and it was Corum back there, you were going to miss. Um, so that that dynamic uh, of speed and power and the two backs um, right then showed that uh, it was going to pay dividends having that depth in the two different styles and uh, it continued to play out for the rest of the season. But I think the Washington game was the one where it really um, hit the stage and, and shine the spotlight on, on those two guys. You know, and it also brought out another, I guess, theme from the media. It was like, well, that's great, but are you going to be able to keep that up? Right. And, and I know I wondered if they were going to be able to keep it up. And again, it was amazing that, you really saw the team kind of come together. You know, you heard from Harbaugh, you heard from the offensive line, and I think you really got an idea. You know, coming in, there were questions, right? Like, you have all these new coaches, you have a new philosophy, and you drop all these ingredients and you stir, right? And you don't know what's going to happen. And I think at this point in the season, we were really, really excited about what we were seeing. And, um, you know, almost wondering, like, man, can this keep up, right? And um, one of the things we talked about in the previous episode was um, the differences in culture, how guys were applying themselves. It's been completely different. I mean, you look at our sideline, um, and we got dudes interacting with each other. Um, dudes are really trying to communicate with each other. and. Um, to just solve, uh, you know, what's going on in the field, talking to each other, and um, it's really good. I think communication um, on the sideline, at least, is at an all-time high um, since I've ever been here, and I think that's a testament to, um, you know, our player accountability and how we've built, um, you know, this culture in the offseason. Yeah, I could add, add to that too. Uh, also, even just week to week, game weeks, the way we prepare, it's a lot more um, put on us players. That actually, like, we do more together this year. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, just getting things together for game planning, how we're doing it, watching film. Like, just holding each other accountable and doing it every single day. Um, that's been the standard. Everyone's just um, doing their job. You know, no one's uh, bullcrapping around, I would, I guess you could say. Yeah. Everyone's taking it real serious. Everyone's taking it personal. And everyone just wants to get better each and every day. Um, and iron sharpens iron. So, I mean, me and H2, we sharpen each other. The offensive line, they sharpen each other. The offense and D-line, uh, D they sharpen each other at practice. You know, so uh, it's really just a mindset thing and, uh, you know, the, the approach to it and just holding each other accountable in everything we do. If someone slips up, we tell them, hey, bro, get back on the right track. No, I just, I, I, you know, just a, a bunch of guys that really like football. Um, you know, just it's a tremendous amount of players that, that really like it. Uh, I mean, they... They love training. They like they love practice, uh, or at least they like it a lot. And uh, I like football players like like football. And these are these are the kind of guys that uh, I mean, you don't have to talk them into it. Um, and I think that's you know that's that makes me happy. So we had heard a lot in spring practice and fall practice that the team was coming together, but I have to say you wonder how much of that is true, right? Because you hear some of that stuff year in and year out, right? And I think what was exciting to me at this point in the season is you could kind of see that they were walking the walk, 
right? That really this team, um, you know, had faced, if you, if you think going back to the previous season, you know, in COVID, a ton of adversity, a ton of criticism, and, um, you know, things swirling around, um, you know, about Coach Harbaugh and coaches coming and going. And you wonder how that team is going to respond. Are they going to come together or are they going to split apart? And you could see that this team was coming together and, and they were really exhibiting it with their play on the field. Yeah, in the offseason, springtime, fall camp, um, coaches are always going to say stuff, right? Coach speak comes out from, from every program, from, from all directions. It's the right, they're the right things to say and the right uh, kind of fundamentals that you want your football team to have. So it, it makes sense that that's what everybody is saying. Uh, you know, uh, a, a great season like last season and, and a not great season is that the players are, are saying it, right, unprompted, that, that you can hear older players, younger players, you know, even Blake Corum is a true sophomore, uh, just finished playing in his second game there against Washington talking about holding each other accountable and and embracing the the hard work and that iron sharpens iron right so everybody loves to win right that's easy you know that everybody's got that mindset some people tolerate the hard work because they want to win right and then the some players and some some people really embrace the hard work right and, and enjoy uh, the, the time spent at practice um, and that's a, a small difference, right? Some people will do the hard work and do the practice because they want to win, and that's that's okay. But really, really great teams uh, embrace and love practice, and I think that's what you hear in Harbaugh um, when he's communicating about guys that love football, right? It, it's not just a, a one time a week. They love playing games, right? They they love football practice. They love workouts and, and, and even meetings. So that's um, – Again, you got to kind of take Harbaugh um, for what he says. He's very rarely is he uh, misleading anybody. You know, that's he is saying what he means for sure. And sometimes uh, we, um, in fan base and and in the media, kind of roll our eyes and and wonder what he's actually talking about. And, and in reality, usually he's he's saying exactly what he means and what matters. And, and looking back, is interesting to hear again. He's 100% accurate. And even with uh, the run versus pass uh, criticism, you know, he says, well, we weren't going to throw it outside against those corners. Those are their best players <laughs> on defense. So we uh, we were running, and it was working. And, and you hear the players say, yeah, I think they stacked the box, and we still ran it. You know, our offensive line played well. So it's I don't understand why you would criticize, you know, they can stack the box and, and we run the ball, then then why not keep running the ball? So again, it, sometimes it is just as simple as, as what you see there. And uh the Washington game was was a great example of that. Michigan wins thirty one to ten. They climb back into the top twenty five at twenty five, but again, considering where they started the season, they head into the Northern Illinois game ranked and again media was carping that perhaps Michigan was relying too much on the run and was not exhibiting balance and Jim Harbaugh addressed that. I heard a little bit of noise about you know why why so much uh, running you know uh, 
going to throw more, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's, well, no, there's, there's a lot of ways to travel. I mean, some people choose to travel on the ground, some people by air. Um, George Patton was able to get his, his job done on the ground. Neil Armstrong through the air. Last Saturday night, we chose to grind it out on the ground. And uh, we're also able to get our mission accomplished. A lot of ways to expand, you know, play action. There's, uh, and you want your opponent to, to know and you know, understand that there, there are multiple ways to, and they know, to travel. Uh, you've pointed out repeatedly is that quite often Jim says what they're going to do. You know, he's pretty straightforward. He's pretty honest. And, you know, when I listen to that clip, not only do I hear him being pretty straightforward and saying why Michigan did what they did and, you know, being kind of funny about it, but also, you know, and, and you know, I, I mentioned this because I'm not sure if the younger Michigan fans or if the, the football fans who aren't in the Michigan fan base appreciate the red meat that Jim is throwing out, okay? Um, a few clips ago, we heard him talking about Lloyd Carr and what had happened during uh, Harbaugh's career when he got injured. This week, he, he mentions George Patton, right? And to, to those of us of a certain age who grew up watching Bo Schembechler and, and listening to Bob Eufer, um, you know, Bob Eufer would beep the horn when, when Michigan would score, and he would say that horn was from George Patton's Jeep, right? And it's little things like that that a player who is, uh, or I should say an individual who has grown up in the culture, lived the culture like Jim Harbaugh, is speaking to the fan base in a way that even some in the media I'm not sure appreciate. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is very intentional about how he handles the, his press availability. There's always, he's always trying to, to steer it to help benefit himself and his team and his program in a positive way. And sometimes folks don't get the answers to questions that they want and they get um, frustrated by that. And it's, it's certainly understandable, right? The, the folks in the media have their jobs to do also, but if you uh, if you take it in as a neutral observer, like we do as fans, and uh, and and listen to what he's saying and try to apply it to what's going on with the team, again, it, it's going to be accurate. It's going to be honest, and uh, and there are there are some things there that that tend to to call back and, and tie together the whole program and the history, and uh, you know, and more about the specifics of what's going on on the field. How do you think about Kate McNamara's performance on Saturday? Uh, like, like I just said, I mean, he's, um, he's really become the coach on the field, uh, does a tremendous job and, uh, you know, he executed, uh, pretty darn well. A couple things, uh, you know, there'll be, nobody plays a perfect game and you strive for it, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, more things to coach. Also a good thing, um, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. Coach Harbaugh talking about Cade McNamara. And this is also responding to another narrative in the media. Are you running because you want to, or are you running because you have to, because Cade is not the quarterback 
that can take this team to a Big Ten championship. And we're already starting to hear this, you know, mumblings and murmurings from from the uh, from the corners. Yeah, the the question still it was, the groundwork was laid, right? For for what is going to be this team's challenge or this team's Achilles heel? I think again, like we said, leading into the season. So the first two games, you have a lot of success on the ground. So through two games, you've you've thrown the ball 26 times, 11 against Western Michigan and 15 uh, against Washington. And not all of those are Cade McNamara. Some of those were mop-up duty for, um, for J.J. So the question, it, it, it's apparent. It's right there on your, you know, it's right there on the surface and uh, low-hanging fruit gets snatched up by the media. Now the questions swirl about whether the team and the program has confidence in the passing game. And, um, again, that's it's something that can't be answered until, until you see success on the field. And, and through two games, they didn't necessarily need it. And that's what, you know, that's kind of what all gets, comes to a head with, with Harbaugh's comment about George Patton and Neil Armstrong. So there's a lot of ways to win a football game. We're going to game plan the way that we want to. Um, we're not going to throw the ball X number of times just to make sure that we're not getting criticized. So it, it makes a lot of sense, of course. Um, but the ratio is, is awfully high right now, right, where through two games uh, you, you ran the ball 70% of the time against Western and 78% of the time against Washington. And that's even if I take – garbage time out right so once it once the score was out of reach i'm not even counting those running plays so while the game was still a contest it was still heavy heavy run game plans but for us you know i know for you and i at least if if you're having success and winning the football game i'm not going to complain one way or the other that's for sure michigan blows out northern illinois 63 to 10 and yet they did it primarily on the ground, running for 388 yards and eight touchdowns. And so here you have Michigan continuing to dominate on the ground. Blake Corum leading the team with 125 yards. Donovan Edwards being the second leading rusher with 87. And Haskins only having 56, right? You know, when you, you look at the passing stats, and 12 of 17, one touchdown, Cade McNamara having it. But again, um, despite uh, Michigan winning and winning uh, pretty substantially, there were still questions about, questions would continue to swirl about about the how successful and, and how capable the passing game was. Yeah, this, it was just another page on top of the same book there where the questions did not get answered. You know, Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis did not change the offensive game plan to, to fit the media narrative for sure. And then they ran the ball 67% of the time against Northern Illinois uh, with garbage time removed. So a little bit less in terms of ratio, but it was working and that's what they were doing. They were building a lot of uh, run game success. I believe at this point in the season, you and I started to notice uh, some subtle variations in how they were running the ball. There were there was a lot of uh, differentiation uh, up front on the offensive line, a lot of different uh, variation with you know one play, but it was run slightly differently 
depending on alignment or, or who was pulling, whether it was guard and tackle, center and tackle, just a guard. Um, so we started to see that, that what Michigan was doing was layering a lot of run game variation and putting a lot of different types of run plays on film to make um, the Big Ten opponents really have to prep for a lot of different run plays. And, and we, we started to hint at that um, early on in the season. It may, I think it was after the Northern Illinois game where we started highlighting some of the differences that the run play X's and O's had. But at a very, very high level in terms of, of football, uh, you know, plays, play creation, we, we noticed at this point that Michigan was really putting a lot of different things on film and making those uh, future opponents prepare for a lot of different punches and counter punches and then counters to the counter. So uh, they were really building a solid foundation for what uh, what would become really solid future game plans as well. The other thing that became evident was that not only was the offensive line getting the job done, but they were rotating a number of players through. And, you know, again, heading back, uh, looking back in the preseason, you will quite often hear coaches say, oh, yeah, we're really deep at a position. And, and you know, the running joke is, um, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any, right? If you have 10 offensive linemen, you don't have your top five. Well, what we began to see is that really Michigan was really deep at offensive line. Guys were coming in and coming out. You were seeing a sophistication to the running attack that we had not seen in these parts for for a very long time. So um, not only was it easy to get excited about what you were seeing on the scoreboard, but when you broke the game film down, um, there was a sophistication that was beginning to emerge that you could get really excited about. And um, it was also exciting to hear how Coach Harbaugh and the players were describing uh, themselves as, as the games, you know, in the post game. Very inspiring uh, the way the guys played. I mean, they're uh, playing so hard um, and just, yeah, really, really tremendous play. Um, I'll talk a little bit about some of the real, real guys uh, that are standing out so much uh, and getting, getting used to being good, getting a lot of practice of being good. Blake Horn, uh, special player. He, uh, the way he trains in the offseason, I can just describe that to you for a, a bit. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's all out all the time. He is, uh, uh, his endurance, his strength. Um, I mean, he is like a stalker and, and, and finding ways to get in the weight room. The door's always open to getting stronger and getting better. He's, uh, it's, it's just from the day he got here. From the day he arrived on campus, it's just uh, just such a tremendous example of somebody that uh, has uh, an amazing, tremendous work ethic. Yeah. Going into the game, we, we wanted to uh, wanted to rush for 200 yards. We wanted to pass for 200 yards. Um, felt like that uh, you know, the timing's there. The uh, the execution's been there in practice uh, with Cade and with. Um, CJ, Cornelius Johnson, and 
Uh, it's, it's, it's so tremendous with Blake uh, and Hassan, and you talk about that kind of a, a tandem at running back. Um, you know, just each is so is so good, and then uh, adding Donovan in there, and Donovan, um, he's he's quite the back himself. Uh, and he, he does a great job, uh, you know, with ball security. It's important to him. Some people are just better at that than other people. Uh, and he's he's really good at that. Uh, you want to fall in love with your stuff, I mean, because you can get better, and. Um, you know, it's kind of a race to see how good you can get, and uh, but you know, a lot of great things are going to happen when your when your when your players are playing as hard as they are. I mean, good things happen. Energy, uh, you know, great energy. The ball finds it. Um, you know, whether that's as a, a defensive player or an offensive player, uh, you know, playing as hard as you can, as fast as you can, never never giving up. I mean, all those all those things. Uh, you know, I, I see in our team. And the way they're playing, and and now we take that to the Big Ten season, and, and what we've done to, to this point is uh, uh, good. But now it really, really starts counting. What I like about that is Harbaugh is being very clear with putting. He knows what the assignment is, right? And while people may criticize or question how the team is doing it they are building for something much larger, right? They're not playing in a game to satisfy, uh, you know, questions from the media or even from the fans, right? Um, they're looking at what do we need to do? How do we need to develop this team in order to challenge for the Big Ten and move on to higher goals, And it's interesting to me because, um, as you said, there is a there are narratives in the media that kind of spin up, right? Uh, Hey, they they, you know you need to fill talk radio, you need to fill column space, but and there's a kind of a consistent criticism of that Harbaugh is not really great with the media. Listen, he's pretty clear, okay. And I think one of the things I really wanted to do in these episodes is to kind of look back and. I was surprised when I went back and listened to a lot of what he said is he was pretty much spot on. He's not always entertaining when he does it. You know, he's not, he doesn't always play the media game, but here he is, um, you know, saying, listen, this is our goal. This is what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, I think that, um, as the season played out, you can kind of see that. Um, the other thing that was really interesting to me was, um, what Blake Corum had to say. I think this is a good start, but once again, we haven't really done much yet. Uh, it was definitely a great win against a, a good team um, in the MAC. But uh, you know, right now, just by this Big Ten play that's coming up, we're gonna keep our head down, keep pushing, keep getting better every week, every practice, and uh, go forward. I mean, I, I feel like we can always uh, improve on something. Um, you know, we're gonna celebrate this win today, but uh, tomorrow is over with. It's about the new week. It's about Rutgers. And uh, going forward, you know, um, there's a long season ahead of us. That's only three games, and we got to put those behind us. And we just got to learn from our mistakes that we made today and uh, keep better in the things that we did did good. I mean, uh, we played really, really good today. But, you know, uh, there's always room to improve. And when you want to be perfect, I mean, you look at those small mistakes and you just want to fix them, you know. So, like, we're going to go back to the film uh, tomorrow and Monday 
fix our mistakes, and like I say, you know, get ready for this Big Ten play, get ready for Rutgers Saturday. As you can see, uh, we're having a lot of fun. You know, we're all cheering each other up. We're all happy for each other's success, offense and defense. And we talk to each other throughout the game. So, you know, we're having a blast. And that's what the game of football is about. It's about having fun. It's about doing, uh, doing the things that you love to do with your brothers. And so uh, that's what we're doing so far. And I can't wait to see. Uh, it's just going to keep building every week. Jim, after each of the games, one of your players today with Blake says that the team hasn't done anything yet. Is that coming from them or is that a message you give them after every game? Yeah, I would say I, that's not, I haven't said they haven't done anything. I mean, they, they've done it. Yeah, they've done some stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then, you know, things that, that are good and you want to build on. Um, you know, now, but team does have big goals, and, uh, and now it, uh, you start playing for the championship and uh, the Big Ten championship, and you know, ultimately that's, that's what they want to they achieve. You have players talking about the goals that are ahead, and again, you mentioned it. Blake Corum is a younger player, right? He is not a guy who's he's not a guy who's been around this program for three or four years. He's very clearly articulating what the goal is. He's talking about how the team is coming together, and one of the reason one of the things that really jumped out to me in that clip is he's talking about the team not only working hard, not only keeping their eye on the on the immediate task at hand but having fun while they're doing it. Yeah, exactly right. It, it boils back, uh, boils down to the same point that we heard before about enjoying every day practices, meetings, and, and workouts. And those guys reiterating that. And what I like the understanding that, that the bigger goals were ahead of you <clears throat> without ever really saying it outwardly. Um, it's clear that the focus was not, was on the big 10 season and being big 10 champs and, we all knew, and it, we started to get an idea that the players were identifying that it, they had to beat Ohio State. They had to tackle, you know, the the biggest monster on the schedule. But in order for that to be for a championship, you got to take care of business every day. So they really, the coaching staff really did a great job of keeping everybody focused on the task at hand, stacking good days, right focused on living in the present, but uh, keeping that future target really um, always uh, always around. Maybe not the center of focus uh, in the moment, but uh, a, a consistent reminder that you're building to something in the future and that don't celebrate too much what we've done to this point because the, the, the eyes on the prize are still at the end of the season. And however they communicated it or however they, they made it part of their, their motivational uh, setup uh, in the preseason and then through the early non-conference season, it's clear that it was very effective because you had all of the – everybody was singing the same song and they knew that they had to get their work done in the Big Ten season and that they were building towards something special and, and that that was going to mean playing their best – uh, in the biggest games. And Jim Harbaugh picked up that theme in the press conference prior to the Rutgers game. And I think you, you, heard, you hear this from our players, at least I do. I mean, there's nobody looking to take a deep, long bow right now. Uh, we just want to get back and um, get ready for Rutgers, a team we really respect, and, uh, and prepare and, and work and practice and, and get ready for the ball game on Saturday. So 
Um, I think they're doing really good. I wouldn't use the word complete about you know any of us because we think we can we think we can do better. We're uh, we're trying to move the ball, trying to score touchdowns, trying to uh, you know get as good at football as we can get. Michigan is three and zero heading into the Rutgers game. They are ranked number nineteen. It's a three thirty game. The crowd is amped up. Um, Hopes are high, and at halftime, the score is 20-3. to 3. It seems like everything is unfolding as we would have hoped. Um, again, 20-3 to 3 lead, hoping Michigan is going to come out and come out in the second half and blow them out and take control of the game, and that's not what happened. So the offense stalled in the second half. Rutgers started clawing back. Michigan pulled out a 20-13 win. But definitely this was the first time during the season that we saw adversity, right? We saw can the defense hold? We saw the offense, the offensive juggernaut kind of slowed down. And I think it it really gave everyone pause. You kind of caught your breath a little bit because again, it's one thing to struggle against Ohio state or a, or a, uh, a nationally ranked opponent, but um, you know, no disrespect to Rutgers. This was not what fans were hoping to see. Yeah, there was, there was a little bit of, uh, I would say it was humbling um, for, for the team. And, and obviously it put some, put some, here we go again, feelings into the fan base and, and, and through Michigan media as well. Um, really, this game turned in the second quarter to uh, big um, you know, injuries or uh, you know, ailments, I would say. There was, um, there was a hit on Cade McNamara in the late second quarter on a pass that he, he threw a really great pass, I think, to Mikey Sainer still uh, over the middle. And kind of looked like he kind of rang his bell. Um, now he popped up and, and ran down into the red zone and, and continued leading the team. I don't know that there was any major cause for concern but after that hit, uh, whether he was still feeling it or if it was just um, kind of the first time that that he hadn't been protected or, or the first time that he took one on the uh, you know on the button there. Uh, he did not. He wasn't as accurate going forward from that point, and it was uh, it was clear in his numbers, and it was clear in the the team's offensive numbers. Uh, in the first quarter, their um, their uh, expected points added again, which is how successful is every play, right? In the first quarter, it was 0.57. In the second quarter, it dipped to 0.20, and in the third and the fourth quarter all of their plays had a negative EPA, meaning that they weren't advancing the ball and they were uh, falling behind on down and distance. In the third quarter, it was 0.49, and in the fourth quarter, or negative 0.49, and in the fourth quarter, it was negative 0.3. So they were a much different team in the second half offensively, and I think you can see clearly a pivot after that hit on Cade McNamara. And for the defense we really got uh, a taste of 
the youth and inexperience at the linebacker position because Josh Ross got a stinger in that second quarter and was out for the second half. And the new, younger linebackers had to take center stage. So you had Khalil Hill-Green and Junior Colson and Khalil Mullings. And those guys rotating through those inside linebacker spots uh, were being attacked by Rutgers using an option play that uh, took the pressure off of their quarterback, who was not a good thrower. And, and they did kind of an inverted fear option scheme, and, and they just kind of kept marching the ball. And that's how they jumped back into it to make it a game. So two really key players went down or, or got dinged. And we saw where this team really needed to strengthen. But um, I would say it, it, was, it was still a relief to see players make really big plays in crunch time when it was necessary, um, including the last stop uh, on the last drive where I believe we recovered a fumble to, to kind of ice it and, and move on and take the victory. So, you know, you, you, you definitely got to put that win in your pocket. Um, but a home game against Rutgers, um, you, there was a lot of teeth gnashing about it being so close. And, and I know, at least for me, and I think you and I both agreed, um, there were some questions about depth and what are we going to do if there is a key injury and, and how soon can Josh Ross get back? You're heading into the second half and you kind of have the script for what you think is going to happen, right? And as someone covering the game, I start thinking about, I'm already thinking about post game, right? Like you kind of like rise above the game a little bit. You're like, huh, I got to do this. I do this. And I just remember being snapped back, right? Like, uh Oh, wait a minute. This, this might not, this might not end well, but the team pulled it out, faced some adversity and uh, coach Harbaugh had, uh, had a, had some interesting thoughts on it after the game. I was really proud of him. Uh, found a way. And, um, you know, defense, you know, I thought they, I thought they really competed, you know, right to the, right to the fumble. And, um, you know, thank goodness for red, red zone defense. Put a lot of time into it. Uh, practiced a lot and, and uh, you know, put the, the defense was in a bad position. You know, uh, offensively, we weren't uh, moving the ball, three and outs, four straight drives, and start the second half. I, you know, show the character of the uh, of the defense. I'm really, really proud and, and pleased with that, um, and that they found a way, got it done. Greedy game, uh, and yeah, it wasn't pretty, but you know, when they when they start when they when they start making a space for pretty on the on the scoreboard, then we'll. We'll worry about that. Right now, that doesn't doesn't go up on the scoreboard. So yeah, I'm proud of the guys. Love that quote about how, you know, pretty doesn't count on the scoreboard, and I think that, you know, we both acknowledge that there was some some frustration and worry among the fan base, but uh, I think Christopher Hinton said it best in this next quote, which is. Definitely one of my favorite quotes of the of the entire season. Yeah, I think we dealt the pressure uh, really well. Like like uh, everyone keeps saying, uh, we bowed up when we needed to bow up. Um, I think uh, we, we kept a really positive attitude uh, throughout the whole game, uh, through all the ups and downs. 
Um, so I really like that about this defense and this team um, this year. And, and we just got to keep that rolling because you know every game is not going to be sunshines and rainbows. Um, we just got to we just got to stay stout uh, in a tough times. I like that. You know, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. And what that tells me is that this team's in it for the long haul, right? They weren't going to get knocked off of their goals because, you know, some uh, because of some adversity. You know, they know it's a long season, and they know they've put in the work, and that they believe in each other. So I I love that quote. I I, I chuckle about it even now listening to it. Yeah, yeah. I think that it, it points back to understanding that you know. Doing the work every day is what you're built on. Right? Some people like to win but don't want to do the work and that this team understands that, that you just keep building and, and continue building toward your goal at the end of the season. This is another example of a player kind of saying the same thing, using his own his own phrase, his own terminology, but uh, the concept, it's clear. It, it's, it's all the way through both sides of the ball, top to bottom, older players to younger players. Um, that they all have the right mentality. And uh, real quick, that I wanted to, to straighten out uh, the linebackers' names. I mixed up Colel Mullings, gave his first name. It's Nakai Hill-Green and Junior Colson and Colel Mullings were the three linebackers rotating through in that uh, once Josh Ross went down. And um, the, other, the other point that uh, you hear Harbaugh and, and Chris Hinton saying there is that in the critical moment, you have to be able to step up. And that's been something that you and I criticized in, in teams of the past. It seemed like they were they were close enough, uh, especially into the second quarter and third quarter of big games. But when you had to make the really key play, the big play in the key moment, um, in, in crunch time, so to speak, it seemed like it tended to go the other team's way. It was very rare that we had a player that stepped up and made the play in those moments for, for Michigan. So um, all of that was, was very positive, but there was a little bit of a little bit of a haze looming because this again was, was Rutgers who had started out. Okay. On the season, I believe that they were three, and zero at that point as well. So they had, they had gotten off to a good start and then, a uh, little bit of uh, a cringe there for Michigan fans, knowing that you know the coming week they had to travel to Madison to play Wisconsin, which uh, is a defense on a whole nother level and also a place that, that Michigan hadn't won in decades. So a lot of consternation at this point, and this was really a, a show-me point of uh, the 21 season. Next, on Episode 3 of the UMGoBlue.com Football Spectacular. As the Wolverine winning streak continues, Jim Harbaugh knows that his team will face a stern test on the road versus Wisconsin. It's exciting to you know, have this, this opportunity, this challenge, um, see, see how far our football teams come, um, see if we can win on the road. And acknowledges the impact of a successful season towards building his program. And nothing helps recruiting, by the way, better than winning subscribe now to get this episode as soon as it drops thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast all rights reserved search for umgoblue.com on itunes go blue